podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Liverpool in focus. One topic, one guest, every week. Hello, it's John Buskell here and welcome to another episode of the In Focus podcast. I'm going to keep the introduction quick because it's a monster long episode, but that's because my guest Alan O'Donoghue and I had a really, really fun, interesting, engaging conversation about goalkeepers. Alan, if you've listened to the show before, he's been a guest a couple of times. He's a fantastic contributor to the Anfield Index when he gets involved. Always got lots of interesting things to say. I hope you enjoy this interview just as much as I enjoyed the conversation with Alan. Here we go. So, Alan, what do you remember about Bruce Grobbler? Oh, Brucey. He was a complete and utter nutter on the pitch. That's my <laughs> overriding memory of him is just being just just bonkers absolutely bonkers but in a good way you know those people who are bonkers and you're kind of going this could go either way they could, you know they could be an axe murderer in their spare time but no he was definitely um he was definitely entertaining and i suppose as a as a young youngster kind of really getting into watching football on, on a regular basis he was so entertaining but it's funny when i think back my my actual i remember not being fully convinced by him at the time mm. you know like I, I remember as a kid you know um oh the guy's name what was the everton goalkeeper's name wow his name is totally escaped South, me at the time um southall southall neville southall yeah i remember at the time going i wish he was liverpool's goalkeeper because he's <laughs> so much better but it's funny when when i when i look back and you know I've done a few um, pods with with yourself and and Andy, especially kind of looking back at, at at old players. And Bruce was such a fantastic goalkeeper. And what what actually amazed me was his ability to hold the ball from you, you know hold on to the ball when he's saving a shot. He 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 would just like pluck the ball out of the air, and everyone in the ground is thinking this is a goal. It's a goal, yeah. and all of a sudden Bruce has it in his hands. And his you know his his athleticism was absolutely amazing like i i don't know i couldn't compare him to any goalkeepers now because he was he was just so unique yeah absolutely for me because i'm that bit older i i i suppose and you know i was seven when i first started watching liverpool ray clements to me was that archetypal keeper because he was the first keeper i was really cognizant of and and for me although he would you know yell out at the 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 back four from time to time he was engaged he was very much that kind of stoical he seemed to me at the time very old he he seemed very much the grown-up in the side yeah and 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 then when when brucey came in I mean, I'm still very young, but I remember, <laughs> I remember being vexed. I remember thinking, why has Clements gone? Because, you know, he is such a, he, he was such a sort of a, I don't want to say fatherly because he wasn't sort of paternal, but he was a grown up. And in comes this crazy, uh, athletic, huge personality into the box who seemed to change things so drastically. So, so I got this sort of diametrically opposed two variants of a keeper and, and my grounding had always been Ray Clements. Um, I can understand the Southall comment i can really understand it because southall for me has that similar kind of thing to clemens a a younger generation but still 
not someone you would mess with with mm. whereas you know brucey i could always imagine even as a child he'd be pretty fun to hang out with and have a kick about on the pitch southall i would have been terrified of yeah absolutely and i think that was the the you you would be terrified of him and as a defender you would absolutely not make any mistakes now granted you're more likely to get punched by brucey than you would be from <laughs> southall but um you know and we can we can talk about steve McManaman taking on bruce which was very very brave one day but i think um with with southall i think the defense always knew even if somebody gets past us we're going to be pretty much okay and i'm <sighs> Well, now I'm saying it. I was going to say, I, I don't think maybe the Liverpool defence had that, but they did. But then I suppose maybe when I look back at, at, at some of his highlights recently, a lot of the shots he faced were from outside the box because we had such a good defence in front of him that they ver- that teams rarely got in behind. Mm-hmm. Whereas Southall was the type of keeper, even though for the size of him, he was, <laughs> he was literally facing shots from two yards out and he was able to save it but Mm. then you know Bruce was just yeah he was facing shots that that were maybe a bit further out so maybe and uh, you know he he definitely was the type of keeper who liked to do the camera save (laughs) you know and and, and I wouldn't I wouldn't you know I wouldn't say there's anything wrong with that but I just think you know maybe maybe if he was in front of a a less less well-drilled defence, maybe he wouldn't have been quite as good. I don't know. Mm, they also had, of course, which used to drive my father up the wall, the back pass rule, the fact that you could pass yeah. back. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I do remember a lot of things going back to Brucey, and he'd seem to hold on to the ball for an eternity before actually rolling it out throwing it out he was fantastic actually getting when he did get the game going he could be incredibly quick and had a had a, I, I think Pepe Reina is for me the the closest parallel to Brucey although Reina doesn't have the same daredevil I wouldn't call Bruce a clown because he was he is deadly serious about keeping mm-hmm. you know you can see that uh, his post-footballing career in the commentary that he's made he takes the art of football very very seriously but he he's a front foot keeper really looking around him but he did have a tendency i remember i can't remember who the game is but i remember when brucey runs out of his box for the first time and you know he there he is down by the corner flag as it were <laughs> i i mean fagin paisley they must dalglish you know the, the, these these big established names and let's face it liverpool were not the spice boys of the 90s they were a bunch of hardened successful guys used to winning didn't tolerate anything you know on the pitch that was untoward and along comes a south african who really is the first larger than life keeper in the league i think Absolutely, and I, he, I think he did kind of change that that view of goalkeeping. Um, so I, I, I think you're absolutely spot on. He was just, he was a new breed of goalkeeper, and like plucked out of nowhere, complete obscurity. You know, coming from I think it was Vancouver, wasn't it? Vancouver yeah, Whitecaps they right. signed that's him from, right. um, and like he had such big boots to fill and so like nowadays we talk about footballers and you know they need time to bed in and they need you know to to be given the space to to grow into the club for one but also if they're following the footsteps of somebody who's been a huge legend and bruce just 
didn't seem to bother, didn't seem to bother him that he was following Clements. No, exactly. And let's face it, Clements went on to to do very well at Spurs. He was a very well respected keeper, you know, for England and for Spurs. And he, you know, he had a good career. Yet Liverpool took the decision to. I suppose the playing style changed as well. We're not such a hardened force. We didn't kick teams off the park. We did start to play with Bruce in, in goal, the kind of football that Liverpool played, the, the pass and move. You know, when I think of the 70s Liverpool or early 80s Liverpool, that is not the pass and move Liverpool. That is the machine. And yeah. I think I associate Bruce with the the emergence of... Uh, if today's Liverpool is the postmodern, that was the modern era. <laughs> I think you've hit the nail on the head. It was definitely, he was part of the catalyst of change for, for how Liverpool were playing. Um, that A lot much more sleek, you know, keeping the ball on the ground. And, you know, going back to what you said earlier about the actual pace of uh, his ability to, to get the ball out quickly, release it quickly, but also his ability to hold on to it when he needs to. I was uh, When I was looking back, there was the cup final, I think, against Everton. And uh, he himself and Jim Beglin get in a bit of a mix-up. And he, he's berating Jim Beglin, like absolutely berating him. And then he rolls the ball out to him. <laughs> <laughs> As if to say, there you go, son. Off you go. <laughs> he, reminds, he reminds me very much of... The quintessential South African Australian wicketkeeper in cricket, a sport that I don't understand. But what when I lived in England, it always seemed to be that the wicketkeepers were mouthy, in your face, sledging. I think that's the word they use in cricket. That they dared to take, they dared to be mischievous. And Brucey, for, for I remember my father being absolutely outraged that you know he wasn't stiff up a lip. He was the the keeper that went on to as far as my father was concerned, cheat by, you know, wobbling his legs in a penalty shootout to put the player off. Do, do, do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was just, this isn't football. What are you doing? You yeah, know what I mean? This absolutely. is not the way it's meant to be. But it's a winning mentality. Yeah. And I think that's the thing, though. It it, com- it was it was something completely out of the, wa- the, the, the ordinary that it, people were going, what, what the hell is happening? Including opposition players. So they they didn't know if if they were going in the fifty fifty with Brucey, they didn't know whether they were going to get punched, kicked. Uh, there were there was going to be nobody near them. They just didn't know what to expect, which was absolutely what what we needed at the time. Mm. So yeah, I, I think I you know as 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 his career went on with Liverpool, I think he was he was a. a, a he was one of the catalysts for me for them continuing to win, you know, in the late 80s and yeah. win the last league title as well because he had that winning mentality even as, you know, Sooners came in and, you know, other, other I suppose, players who weren't as successful or maybe weren't at the same level were coming in. He, he was the one that kept Liverpool still ticking at the top along with the mm. likes of Barnes and Beardsley. Mm. But he was the one that kept them up there because of, he was used to it and I could could imagine him being a really strong personality in the dressing room in terms of, you know, what, what people talk about Liverpool now and saying there's a lack of leadership and stuff like that. <laughs> I would say he was exactly what you need in the dressing room where, you know, while he would have fun and he'd have a laugh, when it came to the football, as you were saying earlier, that that was it. Mm. There was no messing. You went onto the pitch and you, you worked your ass off or else 
you know, you you were getting an earful or maybe a slap across the, the back of the head. Mm, it's interesting because if I, th- of course, we, you know, we're looking back and we're we're creating a construct of of how Liverpool was based on our memories, the things that sort of crop up. When I look at how the history of Liverpool has been constructed, the the, the modern narrative that we have about the club, I do think that we look at the hard men, the Steve McMahons, the Graham Soonesses, who bring the, the Stevie Nichols that, that bring the metal, Alan Hansons that bring the, the metal to the side. But what we don't talk about is how the psychology of the keeper, that Brucey comes into the club, ousts uh, Ray Clements, who's an established England keeper, one done fantastically with Liverpool, a Liverpool legend. And he doesn't seem to bat an eyelid. And he doesn't just... You know, he doesn't just, you know, roll down his sleeves, pull up his socks and play like a gentleman. He takes space. He's in people's faces. He takes risks. He is a, he's a, he's a, a building block in the emergence of what goes on to become an incredibly successful Liverpool football club. And as you rightly say, and in, in his final seasons, he is, uh, an integral leader on the pitch. I've never, I've never really thought of of Brucey in that role. But now that we talk about it, I can actually see how the emergence of that spine is fundamental, particularly because keepers, good keepers, stay in the side for such long periods. Yeah, because I think it, he didn't miss a game for, I think, two or three years, didn't he? It was, it was something quite long. Like he was literally in the team every single game. And I think, you know, when he arrived, it was probably a, a perfect storm for him and the club where he was he was coming into a very, very strong, you know, uh, winning Champions Leagues, that kind of, or European Cups at the time, winning mentality where he had two or four of the best defenders in world football sure. in front of him. So maybe he had that flexibility mm. where he could, you know, take those risks. Whereas if he was coming into a, a team that maybe were a bit lower down, he wouldn't have had that flexibility to, to be able to take those risks and get away with it. But at the same time, him taking those risks allowed the the players in front of him as they kind of as Hansen and, and Lawrence and and those kind of left the club, it it allowed the others the the flexibility then when they came in to, you know, trust that he was behind them and mm. they, they they felt that they were in safe hands. It was a bit of a hard act for David James to follow. Yeah. I, I feel sorry for David James in one sense. You know, he got and this is a, a theme for Liverpool goalkeepers since then has been you know they're either if they're not Ray Clements if they're not Bruce Grubbler they better not mess up and if you make any mistake early on that's it you're completely written off and I think that happened to James James was a young keeper he came from I think it was Watford we signed him from yeah um and he was he was very tall, but he was very different to Bruce. He he certainly wasn't as athletic athletic as Bruce. Um, you know, didn't cover space as quickly as Bruce did, but he had so many more strengths. He was big. He was strong. Mm. He had strong hands. He was able to 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 bully to bully player to bully other players, opposition players. But I think the the whole media narrative and and essentially fan narrative around him being Calamity James, mm. you know, it stuck. The fact that we can even still remember it, mm. even though he went on to have quite a distinguished career and a, a decent career, I I felt that 
he was tired with the brush very early on that there was just no shifting. And, uh, you know, that, that, that we're still tiring goalkeepers with, with that brush to this day. Mm, he comes into the side when clearly we're past our best. You know, we, we, were, we were the premium club. And, of course, we have... It's a it's it's a bit like the 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 you know the parallel of course which I don't like taking but it's the Manchester United parallel having dominated football for so long then when things start to change people outside the club do enjoy putting the foot in when the cracks start to appear and um, and with the emergence of Sunes and that goes wrong and 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 Evans coming in and the Spice Boys tag that eventually gets labelled James gets caught up in all that and although there are some fantastic fantastic players. In that, in that era of the club, some of the players that, you know, my memories will always, always go back to the Robbie Fowlers of, of this world. Uh, James suffers by that. I remember seeing James early in his career, once he's the established keeper. Uh, I see him playing against Norwich. Uh, I'm right behind the goal uh, at Carrow Road. And uh, James makes the most phenomenal save one of the best saves i've ever seen he he, he literally I'm, I'm i'm sure you wouldn't find it on youtube because it's one of those matches that gets no coverage but he moves he was about oh, one meter 95 one meter 94 he's a really big guy he moves moves across the box and how he managed to get his get his fingertip on the ball that's going right into the top corner we go on to win i think it's something like 3-1 but he was phenomenal i was so 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 impressed with him and then it unravels i wonder if he had not been as good looking had played the model game had made the comments about the playstation or whatever mm. i mean he contra unfortunately he contributed to the narrative around a footballer who had other interests outside football if you like one of the first modern social media and I don't mean social media as in because, you know, the internet's not around them, yeah. but the, the kind of, you know, the social media savvy or unsavvy figures. He, he dyes his, he's in an advertising campaign where he dyes his hair completely blonde and, you know, he's wearing a fantastic suit. And it becomes more about that than the football. And at the same time, performances go away. I, I, I don't know whether the boot is, is stuck in, you know, whether it's, I don't know, Schadenfreude or, or, or what. Yeah, I, I, I think you, you hit the nail on the head there. I do think he was in that first raft of, uh, of celebrity footballers uh, as, as proper celebrities. And I think, you know, he was young. You know, I think that's the other thing. If we look at any 22, three-year-old around the world, in most cases, that's what they're like. You know, they, they're, they're like nowadays, they're on social media, they're putting photographs of themselves looking pretty and the whole lot. And he was, the, he was the, that first raft of, of football celebrities where they weren't just these players that we went to watch. They were absolute celebrities. Yeah, Alan, and I, I mean, think- let, 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 let's be straight here. Give me the salary of a footballer. You know, give me the Armani suit, uh, the adulation of fans. You know, I'm, I'm going off the rails, even at 42. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I'll join you. <laughs> but it's true. It's absolutely true. And, you know, you have this... And it doesn't surprise me that so many footballers suffer from, you know, mental illness and, and depression and stuff like that, because we live in a world where the expectation is that the money brings you happiness, and it absolutely doesn't. And then the adulation should bring you happiness. But 
then it doesn't. And then you don't know who to trust. And you don't know if, you know, every person that you go on a date with is with you because you are a famous footballer or because they actually like you. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, there's a whole psychological side of things there with with that kind of fame and that kind of celebrity at an age. And plus you have agents and you have people around you who are saying you are amazing you're fantastic don't settle for second best you know go and get as much as you can and all this talk of it's a short career blah 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 blah, blah. It, you know if you if you or i had a footballer salary for a year we would be set for life living at the life that we you know the lifestyle that we we have now because we're just not used to that kind of money we have to accept that these young very very young men are getting very rich very quickly and they're t- they have all these people around them telling them how amazing they are how wonderful they are and then it becomes hollow because maybe they feel insecure within themselves anyway look that's getting off the top of the boat <laughs> going much deeper i but i do think as well david james suffered from the the transition that liverpool were going through at the time yeah. so he was playing with players in front of him who weren't as good so maybe he was facing more shots more attacks than bruce did because the players just weren't as good yeah that's true that's true i mean he, he he's in the squad from from august 1992 that's that's when he makes his his debut and uh he's sold in 99 after 277 games i mean that's that, that's a lot of belief in him as a keeper. I think in terms of honours, does he w- does he win the League Cup with Evans? Yeah, I think he won the League Cup. Um, but that, that was probably it. He gets the runners-up uh, medal in, in 96 when Cantona scores that dreadful uh, FA Cup goal. That was just the, was the most horrible football match I think I've ever watched. Oh, for you know, for a final, it was just it was awful. <laughs> it was awful, and the winning goal is just awful. And oh, they were horrible. They were horrible, horrible all times. Yeah, I, I think I think you're right. I think he got a, a league cup, and you know, it it just shows when we look back now, th- that was some demise we we went through. Like literally from going winning something every single year, and I have absolutely no doubt at all that that team, eighty seven, eighty eight winning team, would have won the Champions League at least once, if not twice or three times. Mm. So, or I keep calling the Champions League, the European Cup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, I, I've noted. So we, we go from being, you know, the, the, the top of the tree in Europe to just plummeting where we're nothing. And I think the, the problem was, and I think, I think this was, from me looking in, an issue within the club was that each year that we didn't win something in the 90s, it was like, yeah, well, we're still Liverpool. We're going to start. It's going to happen again. Don't worry about it. We're still, we're still, we're still. But it didn't happen. Mm. And and there may even still be a residual hangover of that now where, you know, you have fans going, we should be challenging for titles and we should be winning and we should be winning. It's been so long since we've done it. What gives us the right? Just because we're Liverpool Football Club doesn't mean we have the right to win trophies. Mm. You know, mm. and that can be quite a controversial viewpoint. Like, absolutely, we should be like people saying, you know, if if Klopp doesn't win a trophy this year, it's a failure. Absolutely not. For me, if we could consolidate fourth place in a, a, a season where we're playing Champions League football, that's a progress. That's progress. That's that's a step forward. We have to be realistic of where we are at. Mm, absolutely, absolutely. You know, Alan, when I was putting this list of keepers together 
and hopefully we'll get to Carius and Mignolet as we go on the ride. <laughs> I completely forgot about Brad Friedel, but Brad Friedel, the Liverpool's flirtation with Brad Friedel, which starts with Sunez, uh, it's Brad Friedel that displaces James. And, uh, I mean, he only, and he only plays 25 games for the club and he goes on to be an absolute class keeper making what is it you know well over well almost 300 appearances for Blackburn he he, he plays 50 appearances for for Spurs 114 for Villa I I never understood why why they didn't persist with 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 Friedel Julier sort of takes over and before we know it you know Hobson it's 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 Sandevestevelt Mm. Yeah, I, I kind of I always felt sorry for Friedel because, like, when he played for Liverpool, I was never, I was never fully convinced by him. But if you look at what he went on to become, he was he was a, an excellent keeper, an excellent Premier League, Premier League keeper. Um, yeah, I, I reckon it was just one of those ones where uh, a manager came in and just didn't fancy him. I, I reckon it was that simple. Mm. Um, but again, he he took over from someone who the fans weren't completely convinced by, even though he played a couple of hundred games. The fans never really took to him. Um, and it was kind of, he came in and again, tired with the brush. Okay, he didn't set the world alight from, from day one, so not good enough. Get him out. And I would think, you know, Julia came in and he had ideas about what he wanted and the type of keeper he wanted. And, and I don't think Friedel maybe fit into that mould. He was, you know, he was big, he was strong, but he was slightly cumbersome when he was with us. Mm. And I think he got, he got better as he, when he left because maybe the pressure was off him a bit and he... I, I don't know. Now, maybe it's just my my fuzzy memory, but I think he kind of trimmed down a bit, reduced his bulk, and was maybe a bit more athletic as he as he left Liverpool and went to other clubs, and that's why he was he was a lot more successful elsewhere. But mm. I, I don't think he ever really got a fair crack at the whip. Well, and let's face you know, it, and let's face it, it takes time to adjust to the Premier League. Absolutely, and you know, I, 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 because things were changing so much then, it was it was a very different a different time than say when Bruce came in um, and maybe it was just that Bruce was an exceptionally good goalkeeper <laughs> and, and and maybe Brad just wasn't at that same level when he came in and he needed that time and you know there is there is something about the weight of the jersey and maybe he just struggled with the weight of the jersey yeah okay this one is for the the youngsters out there listening uh, quoting from wikipedia uh, which I okay. recommend that you donate to. I just made a donation, this my annual donation to Wikipedia. We need to keep it going. Uh, following the 98-99 season, uh, during which Vesterveld had helped Vitesse qualify for Europe Dutch side, Vesterveld was sold to Liverpool, where he succeeded David James and Brad Friedel. He became the most expensive goalkeeper in British football when he joined the Reds for a fee reported to be around four million during the summer of '99. Liverpool, wow. Liverpool buying, paying a world record fee for a keeper, Sander Westerveld. If you had, if you, if you had asked me if that, if that was, if I had ever, I, I had no recollection of that, your honour. That was never happening, was it? That just didn't happen. It was strict, strict from the record. That? Can you believe it? I, ca- I can't. I can't. That is, that is absolutely crazy. British record fee. Yeah, and he becomes Julia's first choice. I mean, Julia is ruthless at this stage, and I, I, I have a lot of uh, respect for Gerard Julia. I think he's, um, I, I think in hindsight, in years to come, we'll look back. 
look at what Hulier won. He was a hard-nosed winner and what we would give. I'm sure Jurgen Klopp would, if not sell his soul, he'd certainly uh, sell something to ha- to achieve what Hulier's achieved. Hopefully he'll go on to do that. But Hulier comes in, Bank chooses Vesterveld, succeeds James, and Vesterveld justifies Hulier's confidence. He is He's a big part of the side that finally gets us back into Europe and... Again, particularly because I saw him against the Manchester United legends a couple of years ago, the Friends Arena here in Stockholm, and, and said to uh, said to the family, "Oh, he's just as horrendous as I remember." Le- <laughs> le- letting in a dreadful goal. Here you are. Vesterveld conceded the fewest goals in the nineteen ninety nine two thousand Premier League season. Really. <laughs> I know, absolutely. Wow. And it's, let's face it, it's not like we had the major... I don't remember any of our defenders, you know, Stig, uh, Kvarma, all you know, all these... I don't remember any of these guys being particularly fantastic. No, that's... Wow, I didn't, I didn't realise that. Yeah, it's funny when you have a memory of somebody and I would never look back at Vestival as a, as a successful keeper at Liverpool, but he, he clearly was. <laughs> he was, <laughs> you a- know... Yeah, go on. I was just going to say, I think, you know, that that's that's the important thing for for us as as fans to be able to go back but be objective in our analysis instead of just thinking back on our memories of things. So, you know, I would never have thought that it was it was a British record fee. I would never have thought that he he conceded the least amount of goals. Um uh, and especially at a time when we had such prolific goal goal scorers. Mm. You know, why didn't we win the league? <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't we win the league? But we did with Vesterveld in goal. And, and he takes a... I mean, Robbie Fowler scores a phenomenal goal, one of my favourite all-time goals. Birmingham City, uh, when we win the League Cup against Birmingham City. Mm. And, and, and it goes, you know, it goes to penalties and Vesterveld saves the, the, the penalty there to win us the trophy. He was outstanding. Vesterveld is outstanding at this point. I mean, I do know he gets into fisticuffs with, with Everton at some point. But at that yeah. point, you know, I'm, I'm, as I, although I've completely forgotten these great facts about him, I do have a, a recollection of Vesterveld as being someone that, you know, I, I thought was a good keeper. Um, I've forgotten about him being the, the most expensive and stuff. And we get this. But, and here I think is an interesting narrative. It is. It's it's in the next season, in August, he makes a really, really major gaffe against Bolton Wanderers and he gets savaged in the media. They they, they really lay into him uh you know on, 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 on TV. I'm sure they did on Match of the Day, they certainly did here in uh, here in Europe. And Julier literally promptly goes out and buys Dudek and Kirkland. I, yeah. I, and that's what I mean about Julia being, it, uh, there may have been things going on behind the scenes, but wham, out he goes. Yeah, and it, it's funny, you know, like like we mentioned, you know, people talk about mentally weak and that kind of stuff. And, you know, we can we could delve into that and that's a whole other podcast. But I think my memory of Vestival was after that mistake, it was like, it was like someone just completely sapped his confidence. And, you know, let's be honest, being a goalkeeper is probably the toughest position on the pitch because, you know, if you're a striker and you make a mistake, 
there's a lot more people to get through before a goal is scored. Whereas a goalkeeper makes a mistake, they're they're the last line of defence. There is literally nobody else they can blame. So all of a sudden, there's all this pressure on Vesterveld because he made a mistake, and the pressure of two brand new keepers coming in. Like it was just, I, I think that that must have seriously knocked him. And I think he went on to have relative success in Spain and stuff like that. But he never, in my memory, he never seemed to be as confident in himself no. as, as, as he was the previous season. No, he goes, he goes over to real, uh, real uh, Sociedad and he plays, yeah. uh, he plays uh, for the figures here, 75 for Liverpool between 99 and 2001 and seven. Excuse me, seventy-seven games for Real Sociedad between two thousand and one, two thousand and five. Be interesting if we said to the Liverpool fan base now, Liverpool will sign a world a keeper for the world record fee next summer, coming into into June, as it were, and uh, the th- that season he will go on to uh, concede the fewest goals in the league, and then the following season we'd sell him. Yeah, you know, if you it's mad. Sa- exactly, if you said that to the fan base now. <laughs> yeah, and like that—that's, I suppose, that's the reality because he—he he certainly w- will never be recognised as one of the best goalkeepers in the Premier League era. Definitely not. No, you know, and and, and yet the 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 stats actually back up that uh, maybe and maybe looking back, it's just the fact that he wasn't Peter Schmeichel. Maybe Ex- that's it. Exactly, exactly. Sander, if you're listening, I hope you're not in a bar saying, look at my <laughs> figures from that season. I could have been a contender. You were a contender. We celebrate that trophy. Absolutely. Okay, let's move on to Dudek and Kirkland. Do you remember the day that, uh, that, that there was a photograph in the media of, yeah. of both of them sort of crossed arms with their gloves showing? Do you remember when that story broke? Yeah, it was so. It was literally out of nowhere, and I suppose at the time it was very much, um, you know, we were getting fed things. So most of the time there was there was very few kind of completely out of the blue signings. People were the the, the media were well versed in who was coming in, and who wasn't coming, you know, who was going out for for most clubs, and mm. it was just boom. There was two goalkeepers there. Now we had been kind of courted with with Kirkland, I think for. For a while, he was seen as, you know, the next big British goalkeeper. Um, but yeah, I, I had no idea anything about Dudek. Um, I was, I, thinking back, I was very, I was a little bit disappointed for Vesterveld because mm. I didn't think he was quite as bad as as the media were making out. He wasn't out. <laughs> clearly, and, 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 and yeah, we now have the the evidence to back that up. But when the two guys arrived, it just seemed so strange because it was. It was almost like Hude was standing there saying, okay, lads, get in the ring, punch it out and see who's going to be number one. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I don't know what, what either of them was sold. Like, I'm assuming both of them probably thought they were coming to be Liverpool's number one goalkeeper. And all of a sudden, you're with this other guy and I'd be curious to, to know what their relationship was like. You know, if they got on or if there was a, a kind of a, an un, un, unspoken kind of disdain for each other. I, I, now, I don't know if this is fact. I'm speaking purely on recollection. But as I recall it, Hulier kind of pulls this, I don't know, it's almost like a, a fast car salesman kind of, well, they were both available. We were in for both. <laughs> so we kind of decided we'll take both. 
and 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 as you rightly say it must have been a difficult decision i i don't know if you've looked this up alan uh this isn't you know a test here but do you know how many how many appearances kirkland makes for liverpool i didn't look it up so this is a complete guess and if i get it right it is a complete guess Mm -hmm. i would say i would say 30 something 25 25 25 25. they're signed on the same day i i can't remember the fees but i mean kirkland comes in as this big english massive prospect he's a big guy he looks secure he's he's young dudek has that exoticism because you know he's he's you know he's he's an international keeper as it were plays plays in you know plays for poland uh and dudek comes in and immediately becomes who he is number one he's he's only 188 he's he's much shorter than kirkland not as imposing but he's very agile and he goes on Mm. to play 100 127 games for the side and it, it must have been a very weird... I remember it being a weird situation, a bit like the evans Julie kind of... Yeah. Yeah, that, that dynamic of the, of the two of them Kirk, was just... I'm going to go say Kirk, Kirkland was unlucky. He has back problems, doesn't he? I remember mm. it was it was back issue after back issue. It's a tough, tough game. But Dudek does well. He did, yeah. It was... It was it, well, it is a ruthless game. <laughs> you know, we we know that it is absolutely ruthless. And I always, I always felt sorry for for Kirkland because he never he never got the opportunity to really challenge and establish himself. Um, whereas Duda got in and and played relatively well. I was never really sold on him, to be honest with you. Um, you know, look. Obviously, everyone's going to look at the the Champions League final um, in in two thousand and five, and and he was he was immense in the second half and in extra time and in the penalties. He wasn't great in the first half, <laughs> but 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 uh, you know he people that's people's memories of him. So he's all of a sudden he is a Liverpool legend. You know yeah. that's it. But I was never fully sold on him. Um, and and maybe again that's a consequence of the the players that he he had in front of him. But well, I suppose he'd Sammy he's and, nominated. And, and I'm going to say he's nominated in his first season for U- UEFA Goalkeeper of the Year alongside uh, Oliver Kahn and and Buffon. So so, so you know you're, you're a pretty good keeper if you're up there with those worldies, if you like. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, do you know? I suppose if we look back at the history of goalkeepers in for Liverpool, in the main, they come in and have a decent first season, <laughs> and it, it's, it's it's like someone flicks a switch and they power down. Then Similar after that, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I I think, um, you know, I I, I think Dudek did really well. I just, I personally, I was just never sold on him. I don't know what it was. Maybe it was the size. Maybe it was. Maybe it was that he wasn't Peter Schmeichel. <laughs> yeah, maybe you know? he wasn't that big in, in imposing keeper. I have to say, I, I, unlike you, I was a big Dudek fan. I was actually, I, I thought Benitez was a traitor to Jettison Dudek after. I, I think what really? one, yeah, I think two things that won Dudek over for me. One, uh, uh, the man of the match performance in the League Cup final against Manchester United. Uh, in his second season at Liverpool. He's absolutely phenomenal. And the, the other thing is, my son played for the uh, under-19s at I-Core, the uh, one of the biggest clubs in uh, in Sweden. And uh, uh, there was some some game and uh, he walked out onto the, you know, the, the, 
he walked out onto the pitch with Dudek. Dudek was the guy that follows him out and he was just like, Dudek was such a lovely, lovely, nice guy. <laughs> that completely won him over for me. Uh, absolutely. I can't oh, even that's remember. okay. Yeah, I can't even remember how old Lever was at the time, but it was, uh, it, he, he was good. But, but as I say, Benitez is ruthless and brings in, you know, and, and, and brings in Pepperina. Do, do, do you think Benitez was right to do that given how well Dudek had done. Yes. <laughs> Tell me more, Alan. <laughs> I do because, you know, I suppose we're about to talk about uh, one of the greatest keepers in our history. So, you know, it, I, I don't know if it was a a thing of Benitez not fancying Dudek. I just think he knew that there was this goalkeeper out there that was better. And he could get him. He was attainable. And, you know, he, he kind of said, like, look, Dudek went on to play for Real Madrid. I don't know how many games, not that many, but, you know, they Two. they saw him as... <laughs> but, they, <laughs> but they saw him as, as an adequate backup to Casillas. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, I, I, think, I think he was right. I think... I don't think Dudek was ever... No, I know he won a Champions League, but I don't think Dudek was ever winning us the league. That's my that's my 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 feelings on him. I don't think you know. No matter what we put in front of him, I don't think we were ever win the league with him. And no. maybe I'm being exceptionally harsh on him. But Dudek uh, plays Dudek plays 127, and we win the 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 the. I want to say European, and of course it's champion. You know, we win the Champions League. We win the the League Cup. Um, I'm not sure. No, he's not in the, he's, we don't win the FA Cup during his time, but, 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 but Pepe comes in and what do we win in Pepe's 285 games? An FA Cup. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not laughing in the sense of, I, I'm laughing because this is a very enjoyable conversation, but Pepe Reina, yeah. I love Pepe Reina. It's an absolute bit. You know, it's a fantastic keeper. And perhaps that's a reflection of the side at the time and the, the emerging, dominance of Chelsea a great United at this period as well. Reina was mm. Reina was really good though. Reina Reina was everything you would want in a goalkeeper mm. in my opinion. He was big, he was strong, he was athletic, he was you know he had very strong hands, he was commanding, he had very fast distribution. He came with an unbelievable reputation of saving penalties which he continued on. He just had he had it all. Plus, he was a good-looking fecker, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and he didn't suffer from the David James, uh, you know, school of you're too good-looking to play for us. No, type, exactly. Type thing. Um, but he, I, I have to say, you know, in preparation for this, you kind of asked me who was my favourite Liverpool goalkeeper, and, and I'm really struggling. But Pepe was is definitely in the mix for it. He he was just so so good and. You know, if you look at, okay, he only won an FA Cup, but he was excellent in that FA Cup. And he got us to a Champions League final by, you know, that, that semi-final against Chelsea where he, he saved the penalties. It was just, when it went to penalties, I think most Liverpool fans knew we're going to the final because oh, yeah. he's going to say he's going to save those penalties. There was no doubt about it. And how many teams, if we look now, how many teams could you say that about their goalkeeper? In world football, that you kind of go, okay, if we go to penalty shootout, we know we're going to win because our keeper is so good at mm. saving penalties. 
And I really, I feel sorry for for Reina that he was up against Casillas because Casillas was the golden boy. But I do think Pe- Pepe was a better goalkeeper. Um, I, I, I feel sorry for him that he didn't get more international games. And perhaps he deserved to be. If every other team in the world, international team in the world, he would have been their number one. I think. I, I think partly he suffered from playing in the UK as opposed to the Spanish league at that time. Yeah, I think so, but I, I don't think even even then he. I don't think he would have he would have replaced Casillas. I really don't. Even if he was playing, unless he was playing, you know, for for Barcelona. Mm, I've not it, I've it, not seen enough Casillas to judge. You know, Casillas was was a very good keeper, but he was also, you know, playing with players who mm. <laughs> who are very good around him. You know, but I mean, uh, Reiner has been unlucky. Even at, even at Bayern Munich, you know, he got Neuer there. Yeah, that would. T- to be honest with you, that was always a strange move by him for me. You know, he was still, like, it's funny, when I was looking back, I hadn't realised he was only 22 when he signed for us. He was the same age as David James. And, uh, you know, it, it, when I was thinking about James, I was thinking he was such a young keeper when, when he signed for us and, you know, maybe the pressure was too much for him. But Pepe was the exact same age. And, I, I you know, in my head, he was always, he's always, you know, 27. Yeah. From the moment we signed him, to the moment we sold him, he was 27. Um, yeah. And I think he, he, he just came in with such self-assuredness. Like, I think he, he was very experienced when he came to us, even at 22. He'd played a lot of football. Like, I think he was only 17 or 18, and he played quite a number of games for Barcelona's first team. Yeah, and he played, I mean, he played Villarreal and Barcelona. He played 139, if you like, elite Games. I mean, he's in Barcelona CMB before that, but he's he's played 109 at Villarreal and 30 at Barcelona before he joins us. So absolutely, yeah. So he had that experience, and at as you say, in an elite level. So he was he was well used to it. Um, I I just loved him. I always felt that we were in safe hands, and I think I don't know what happened in his final season you know there, there's all the rumors that you know he he got too big for his boots and he had a fallen out with with uh with rogers but to see to see a, a player so good so effective so strong to literally just fall away it was it was a shock it, it still is a shock and yeah. i I, th- I think it seriously dented his, his confidence he went to napoli had a, a decent season and then all of a sudden he's going to be Bayern Munich's reserve goalkeeper and I, was, I always went like why Pepe <laughs> you know why are you settling for that and you know he's gone on to he went back to Napoli didn't he still at Napoli he's now. Napoli and he's done very very well he was a significant yeah. part of their side last season particularly in Europe I mean Reina I, I agree I just want to hold up my hand and say how did the club again make such a catastrophic error with our back four and keeper situation by letting someone of the quality of Reina go out. You know, over the last two, three seasons, I've said numerous times to my dogs, why don't we get Pepe back? <laughs> there he exists. I mean, he's 35 now. There is a better keeper, a 33-year-old, a 32-year-old keeper who loves the club, who loves the fans, who is out there, who would be a massive upgrade on Simon Minier. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. And like, if you, if you look back at at that time, there was some fantastic keepers in the league. The fantastic, uh, you know, you had Peter Cech, and um, you had Van der Sar. You know, really, really good top quality keepers. And 
you know, Raina won the Golden Glove Award two years in, in, in three. I think it was 08 and 010, uh, or in 2010, he, he won the Golden Gloves. Like, he was an excellent goalkeeper. Mm. And he, it wasn't just that he had, you know, a fantastic defence in, in front of him. He was just so good. He was such part of such a strong unit um, that, you know, it, still to this day, I do not know how that 09 team did not win the league like no. or even or even the, the the team from 07 to 2010 how they didn't win major honors it just is beyond me it, it really is they were so good i think it was just the fact that they were up against huge money um with chelsea and they were up against a very established title winning team in united and it's just it's so unfortunate for those players because they were good enough they were, that squad was good enough to to be walking around with with a league winner's medal around their neck, yeah. and Pepe was a huge part of that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a fantastic keeper, absolutely fantastic. But he is replaced by Minouli. Mm. <laughs> How did you feel? I re- I remember when we, of course, this is in an era at the club where I was heard to rant about what was going on at the breakfast table, the lunch table, the dinner table. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it, it it really really bothered me, and um, you know, how did you feel about Minione? Um He was a decent keeper at Sunderland. Um, I I was always concerned that you know we were we were buying a keeper who wasn't used to playing at the level that we were playing at, um, and replacing. Now, granted, Reina in his last season didn't have a good season. You know, he he wasn't playing well, so something needed to be done. Um, but I didn't think Minnelli was the answer. But with with every player that comes into the club, I will always give them a chance. I will always say, right, I, I may have an opinion of them, but I'm not a professional. <laughs> I don't scout them. I you know, and and I tend to try and trust the the scouting department when they're signing um, a, a player. Whereas there seems to be a lot of fans who kind of bribe people off before they come into the club. But Minley coming in, I wasn't sure of, and I'm still not sure of mm-hmm. at all. You know, I think, um, I think, I, I think with other managers in our history, he would have been gone two years ago. I think Benitez would have had him gone. I think Julier would have had him gone. I think Sunes would have had him gone. I just don't think, I think for whatever reason, and I, and I completely understand Klopp's philosophy of, you know, allowing players the time and space to, I, I think Klopp believes in, in himself as a coach so much that he will give a player every opportunity to improve his game, to get to a level that is good enough for Liverpool. And I think what he did with Mignolet was was that exact thing. I think he trusted himself enough to be able to try and improve this player. It just hasn't happened. I don't, you know, people talk about Mignolet as being, uh, you know, a great shot stopper. I completely disagree. I don't think he is at all. I don't think he's commanding. I don't think he brings uh, any kind of sense of assuredness to the back four. I think he is extremely limited. Um, I think that he should never play for Liverpool again. And that's not, this is not a personal attack on him. I just don't think he's good enough. 
for for what we need to take us forward. I think he's been given more than enough opportunities and chances to improve and to to show that he is good enough, and he just isn't there. And I think Klopp is has has given him a fair time to 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 try and and establish himself, and he hasn't done it. And that's why we now have the situation where he's not playing. And if if Klopp does this thing that people are talking about where he's going to reverse the the Champions League and League thing, I think he is absolutely crazy. I think Carrius needs to play every single game between now and the end of the season. I don't care. Even if he messes up, he needs to play every game so that we can see if there is a goalkeeper there. Mm, mm. Inter- I agree with you about the shot stopper issue with Mignone. I think he's very, very good at penalties, as his record demonstrates. But every other aspect of his game, he just doesn't have it for me. I've not been convinced. My son assured me that he was a talent when we bought him. I was very underwhelmed at the time. And I have continued to be underwhelmed, even in the season when we come really, really close. I mean, he does very well from the get-go, but... There are moments when I have felt this, that that Mignolet so many times hasn't just hasn't just won us points in the sense that you can talk about uh, uh, De Gea at United as as being a winner of points for the club. I felt that Mignolet has been responsible for us dropping points, and of course there are others in the in the side that that you know they all have their own responsibility. Um, but no, I have not been convinced by him. I have been. I felt that with with Karius, I, th- I thought it was interesting because when we signed him, I looked at how he'd done in Germany, um, looked at his performances, he looked to talent, but it, it is a really big step coming to to the Premier League. It's a it's, it's a different league, and and once again, Karius seemed to suffer from what hit Festival that the media laid into him, and Klopp protected mm. him. Interestingly enough, because I'm I don't think that I'm sure. Klopp does friendly, not friends. I'm sure he's ruthless. You know, he always reminds me of a smiling fox. You know, I'm sure <laughs> he'd steal the eggs, you know. Yeah, yeah. Love him to bits. But, you know, he's a winner. You don't get to achieve what he's done. Uh, but I thought it, I thought it was a, an interesting reflection of Klopp, the man, of Klopp, the football uh, expert that he is, that he doesn't just drop Karius and and get rid of him that he gives him time to rehabilitate and it's been an interesting frustrating slash I haven't understood at all but now with hindsight I can see what he's done this season with the the rotation because and as we talk now the last performance that we saw from Karius was against Spurs I thought he was outstanding actually yeah, I'm. You're going to kick me. I still haven't seen it. <laughs> I my my daughter my my daughter had a had a, a an event on, so I missed the match. And uh, I had, I th- I have you know series linked my uh, match of the day, but for some reason it didn't record. But quite so, right, quite right too, Alan. If I had uh, yeah. a daughter, I would drop everything for her too. Absolutely. Even Liverpool football. Even Liverpool said, football. She she said it to me. She said, Dad. Um, you're going to miss the Liverpool match. And I said, yeah, no, that's okay. And she goes, oh, thanks so much. (laughs) That's either really good or really bad. (laughs) Oh, that's brilliant. Karius is Uh, interesting. Did you see the news this week that that the club have just brought in reportedly 
to work alongside Achterberg and provide valuable support. But they've brought in, uh, excuse the, uh, the pronunciation, German friends out there. My, uh, my Austrian relatives would, uh, obviously not be so, uh, so impressed. Hans Leitert has come into the club and, yeah. uh, he's, uh, he, he's been in the scouting network for them, but he's been at Tottenham. He's been at those world beaters, Red Bull Salzburg in the past. <laughs> What do you make of it, Alan? Um, yeah, I, I, you know, whenever our our keepers have, you know, make mistakes or glaring errors, it's 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 never uh, too long till Achterberg's name comes up. By all accounts, he's a very nice guy and 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 so on. But you know, if you look at the trajectory of goalkeepers under his tenure at the club, none have improved. In fact. They, they've regressed. Rainer did, didn't he? Yeah, he absolutely did. And I don't, you know, I'm not blaming Actorborg. I'm, you know, I, I don't know what he's like. And, you know, the club have obviously felt in the past that he's doing a sufficient job. But I don't know if we are, as a club, supporting him as a goalkeeping coach because I believe he's only just recently got his, his A license, I think, or something like that. Um, where where you're putting him in a position where maybe he's not best qualified for and maybe being alongside someone who's got a lot more experience will be of benefit to him, especially if he's the type of, of, of person who, you know, they see potential in and they, you know, they, they see him as a positive person around the club, I think absolutely keep him in. Mm. But I think there, there needs to be a lot of pressure taken off his shoulders if he's not, if he's not at the sufficient level to to do the role that he's he's currently in i think um i i think our goalkeeping situation is a bit of a mess i think when carrius came in he he was unlucky to break his hand um i think he too suffers from the too good looking um david james school because people focus on it all the time when it has you know it means nothing to do with his his footballing ability mm. i i like yourself when he when he was coming in looked at at his time at Mainz and he was a very solid keeper um for someone so young and then i think the british media absolutely destroyed destroyed him um including the the former legend Jamie Carr, including Gary Neville, mm. from from the moment the man stepped onto the pitch, they ripped him to shreds and have maintained that the whole way through. And literally, every single thing he does is every mic- microscopic thing that he does. If he miss kicks a ball, which every single player does, literally people are jumping on him as if he had killed a small child. You know, it's just the witch hunt around this, this this young man is horrendous and the fact that he's stepping up and giving performances like the one which i believe he gave against spurs mm. shows the strength of the the man himself i think we as fans need to take responsibility for ourselves and how we speak about and how we deal with players these are human beings and john we've discussed this before you know the the abuse thrown at players and you know he's shit he get him out you know when the lad has played so few games he may not be good enough for liverpool but we don't know that yet because he hasn't had a fair crack of the whip i you know i think i could understand at the time when klopp took him out of the team 
originally. I can understand why he did, but I think in the long run, it actually did him no favours because what he probably needed to do was to play through that. Now, in the long run, he may be here for the next 10 years and we may go on to win 10 league titles under him. Who, who knows? But I'm not sure that it, it worked for, for Carius. I think... I think as a fan base, we should be talking up our players. We should be supporting, actually supporting them and not tearing them down. But I don't know if Carriers can ever have a future at Liverpool because it, of the narrative that's been created around him. Yeah, I think that's very, very well put. And in the words of Smokey, I second that emotion. It's really, really, <laughs> it's really, really well put. I, I, I do wonder if it's because... Again, he's been very active on social media. He's an incredibly good-looking guy. Uh, and, and it's almost like... I, I think this is part of the modern-day football. You come out, you're a bit of a... You know, you're a nice guy, tattooed to be a bad guy, but, you know, super... super. You know, he's. An, I'm sure he's a very, very nice guy. He's out there in the public domain. And uh, the slightest, the slightest error and people... A, a down upon you you're almost expected to be Brucey goes out of the squad he has a real dip in form and there's much talk about you know Brucey being a liability and there's no way back for him Brucey comes back he's phenomenal mm. nowadays I mean Vesterveld <laughs> trashed yeah. Dudek Champions League thank you very much hasta luego <laughs> you know don't let the door hit you in the way out. yeah exactly Pepperina phenomenal keeper over a number of years yes he's had a dip in form under uh, once actorberry comes in mm, um uh, what's his name uh hodgson <laughs> genuinely oh. forgot his name for a moment uh, you know and 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 reina has gone and and now it seems we're at that stage with Minile. it's very interesting I, I i don't know i think the whole goalkeeping in this podcast, having gone through the history of Liverpool keepers from Clements, because of you know my memories of Clements, it's an interesting narrative. That, and of course, it's always going to be different stories. But for me, it's it's learning about what it's like following a club and the the whole mechanics behind running a club, where. Alan, it's crystal ball time. <laughs> you know, genuinely, Mark Lawrenson's reported to have said, you know, recently, uh, Alison, no confidence. You know, no, we should be going for an established Premier League keeper who's got experience here. If you look at our history, bringing in someone from Canada, bringing in someone from the Netherlands who goes on to become you know, the, the the keeper of the season, as it, it Having Premier League experience doesn't necessarily guarantee success. What what do you see as Liverpool's next move? Likely that Mignolet leaves this summer? Yeah, I think Mignolet will be sold this summer because, look, he's already making uh, making uh, noises about it when he got dropped out, like one match into being dropped. And he's talking about in the media uh, that, you know, he has to consider his future. And he probably, do, you know, he does. I'm not sure what age he's probably... 29, 30, is he? Yeah. Or is he maybe not that yeah. old? Yeah. But, you know, it's it's very clear he has no future, so he will be gone. I don't know, will Carrius play second fiddle to a new goalkeeper that, you know, we might potentially sign? I haven't seen enough of Alisson. Obviously, people will constantly share his his wonderful uh, exploits in, in Roma, but 
I don't I don't I haven't seen enough from him to know what level he's going to be at. I don't know, and I think what we do need though is we need someone coming in who's a very 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 strong character in terms of they know themselves they're very self-assured and that the <clears throat> the tyrant of abuse and expectation that may come their way won't diminish their ability i think klopp is building something very good i like the way he's building it because he's building it for the with a, with a long-term view which means that he's committing to the club for the long term and whether that is bringing somebody who's older in as a goalkeeper to allow carries the space to to become our number one i don't i don't know i just don't i don't think the fans and the media will ever allow Carius to to be our number one and I think he will have to leave England mm. you know to to establish himself as a as a world-class keeper if he ever does mm. it's, a, it's a really difficult one and even if we go on to win the Champions League with Carius be- between the sticks there's no guarantees that he'll be mm. the, the number one keeper come the start of the season and John I've said it the whole way through we are winning Big ears number six this year, uh, so he he is gonna he's gonna get to lift it unless unless Klopp goes with the rotation and Mignolet becomes our Champions League goalkeeper. Oh dear Jesus! <laughs> oh, Carries is lifting uh, big ears this this May definitely. So there you go. Thank you so much, Alan, for coming on the show. And if you enjoyed this episode, please, please, please do share a like, a tweet or whatever on social media so other folks out there in internet land can discover the InFocus podcast. I would so appreciate that. So from me, Tia Digby and Lucy in the Doghouse studio here in Stockholm, Sweden, signing off from episode 51 of InFocus. Thanks so much for listening. Liverpool in Focus. One topic, one guest, every week. Sports Social Podcast Network.